Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up, Believers, and what is up, Bear Down Nation? I am Cameron Lee. And I am a very happy Joey Christopoulos, and today's Believe in Bears episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. The NFL season, it's only got a month left, and look, you couldn't be at the game this year, but you can still be in on all the action at BetOnline. Like whoever put money down on the Bears winning today, or the Bears covering by 20, you lucky sons of guns. And look at BetOnline from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there was always that online casino as well. It never closes. So head up BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Cameron, it's been since October 18th. It's week 14. Bears win resoundingly. 36 to 7 over the Houston Texans. The Trubisky Watson Bowl goes to Trubisky just for one week, just for one game. I cede the floor to you, my friend. Where do you want to start? You know, I want to. I want to just uh, just take a couple take a couple deep breaths and just uh, just be happy for just a little bit because it's been it's been a very long time, and uh, it, it, I haven't had a good feeling about this team in a while. And you see this team come out and. Uh, Bust off an 80-yard run to start the game offensively, man. I'm, uh, I'm just, I'm, in, I'm happy. I'm happy with the, with the result of a Bears game for the first time in a long time. It's got me feeling nostalgic, Cameron. Nostalgic for Dallas Cowboys when they wore the alternate jerseys the last time Trubby ripped up a team. It's got me nostalgic for back in the days when we first started doing these pods and we were talking about fast food items. Cameron, I had a spicy chicken sandwich last night because we had to break this losing streak. Got me nostalgic for October 18th, the last time we won a football game. And Cameron, have you ever seen the movie The Avengers? Avengers? I, I have. You have. Well, do you remember in that movie when all the components came together at one moment and just all seemed to click at the same time and assembled, if you will, all the things that we've been talking about all season long with this offense came to fruition in this game. David Montgomery ripping off an 80-yard run. Allen Robinson snatching balls out of the air. Anthony Miller getting yards after the catch, beating the edge. Darnell Mooney's speed. Speed at the tight end position with Cole Komet. An offensive line that looked, again, pretty damn decent. A lot to build off of offensively in this game. And unfortunately, it's been a long time coming. It's been forever. I mean, we haven't even seen this iteration of this team at all this season. I guess really n- never, never have we seen this group play play well so yeah man to come out and to, to beat up on a team you know in a game and save potentially you, you know your playoff hopes you're still alive to come out and to win in this fashion this was awesome to to uh you know snap the losing streak and you know I guess maybe get a little bit of pride back because that's what that's what we needed at this point was just to prove that this team is not only you know maybe competent but uh, it can be more and it was just fun it was just fun and I think um, Bears fans we just needed one. We needed a day for ourselves. We thought it was coming last week. Didn't happen. Cameron in this game, 410 total yards, 169 rushing yards at the half. I believe they had 129 rushing yards. You know, Trubisky had three touchdowns. We were three of five on third down. Heck, we even scored points in the third quarter, Cameron. We got ourselves three delicious, delicious points in the third quarter. And we're going to talk about what we can conclude from this game towards the end of the pod. But one thing maybe we can conclude for right now The Houston Texans are a bad football team. And the Chicago Bears aren't necessarily a bad football team, but I think it lends and accentuates more the frustrations that we've been going through the last couple of months about a team that you keep talking about has talent, 
but has been losing football games. They're not a bad football team. They're a tier above. I'm not saying that they're a good football team. They're in the middle in that mediocre area. But the Houston Texans are a bad football team, and it showed out today. The Texans are a bad football team, and they're playing, you know, very undermanned. When you look at all the weapons that Deshaun Watson was playing without, I mean, it's it's brutal just to, that on that part of things. And then, obviously, this is one of the, the worst defenses in the league, and that showed again. Um, so, yeah, that that's tough. But, you know, the Bears, like we've said, not a bad football team. Not a bad football team. Not a great football team. But there has just been so much overreaction one way and then the other way about what this team is. And this team is fine. This team is fine. They are not pro- probably not the best utilized, uh, not the best managed. There are mistakes. There are holes. But they're an okay football team. And ultimately, this team should end up right around the 500 mark, which I think is fair to say or is a fair result for a, a team of its um, – it's caliber. It's talents. They're, they're fine. They're fine. And stop overreacting both ways. It's the 2020 Chicago Bears. Everything is on the table. Not only can you go 5-1, and one, you can lose six games in a row. And not only in the same season have Mitch Trubisky outdueled Deshaun Watson in every metric. Completions, yardage, rushing yards, passing touchdowns, whatever you want to throw out there for one day, one week. Mitch Trubisky outplayed Deshaun Watson, something I never thought I would ever say out loud, but I'm saying it out loud. We'll start at that 80-yard David Montgomery run, but what you saw from Mitch Trubisky in this offense, a bit of a carryover from the success they saw last week. Man, I hate, I hate to be a broken record, but when they come out and they try to establish the run and they let Mitch cook and they let him get out of the pocket, he's not sitting back there trying to throw the ball downfield. They, they go from under center. They utilize a lot of motion. They get the ball in the hands of lots of different guys in fun and creative ways. That's when this team is good. And it all started with their 80-yard run on a little zone play to the left. It wasn't anything that big, just a big hole, and, and you know, the, you get one. But what happens when that happens is defenses all of a sudden have to account for that. They have to take that run threat seriously. And now we've created running lanes off of that and throwing lanes off of that. And you see all the play action rollout. And you just see how comfortable Mitch looks on that. I think it was the second touchdown drive. Six for six passing or whatever, eight for eight passing. Just dinking and dunking, throwing 10 on 11-yard passes all the way down the field, getting the ball in the hands of guys in positions to make plays. We're not sitting back there in the gun trying to throw these 15 to 20-yard passes. Those aren't – that's not who this group is. And you just see when they're running the correct stuff the right way, it's easy. It's easy and it's fun. And it's, um, I'm very excited about what we saw today, but it's also a little disheartening because it's like, could we have not been doing this for the last two months? Well, let's put some reality on it. And you're walking right into my question because I think it's safe to say that Matt Nagy has probably saved his job perhaps through the rest of the season. Not only did he just save it this week, but he's probably good through the rest of the year just based on this performance. And all season long, we've been talking about what is the disconnect? Matt Nagy comes from this Kansas City Chiefs scheme. I know it's been, you know, three years now, but we're still talking about it. He wants this explosive offense. He wants to continue to push the envelope. And Cameron, look at what they did today, and look at how successful they were with exactly what you're talking about. We're not dropping back and bombing the ball down the field. We're utilizing our pieces. We're going side to side with the football. Mitch is using his legs, picking up a couple of yards here and there. David Montgomery is evading tackles. We have Cole Komet now, who all of a sudden, you know, looks light years faster than Jimmy Graham 
you know, maneuvering, you know, picking up a couple yards after first contact. And then, oh, yeah, Jimmy Graham's still available in the red zone, by the way, to catch that jump me ball. All the pieces were being used. I'm with you. This wasn't rocket science, right? Like, this version, which doesn't have to be this explosive offense that I think maybe Matt Nagy wanted play calling-wise, it can exist and be successful with the pieces that you have in place and we're now just coming around to it, and that continues to be the frustrating, confusing thing. Well, sometimes it's more important to know who you are than it is to like try and be the best at something you're not. And I think that this Bears group is like fairly talented. This offense is fairly talented. Do they have super explosive downfield playmakers? Like when you were seeing like Mahomes and Kelsey connect on 45-yard passes that just don't make sense? No, they don't have that. That's not what this group's skill set is. But they have talented players. Like, they really do. And when properly utilized, it all makes sense. And, you know, you made the point that Matt Nagy probably secured his job safety. And I'm not trying to, like, beat, beat up on this. And, like, this is a happy pot. I'm not, like, trying to be the guy that's, like, you know, uh, this is bad or whatever. But, like, let's look at this. Here's the stat that, like, stands out the most to me. Because all year I've been talking, let's run the ball. Let's keep Mitch in. Let's do this. Let's do this. Because this is how this team will be effective. Here's a stat line for you. David Montgomery with Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback this year. 76 carries for 442 yards, 5.8 yards per carry, four touchdowns. Okay? Oh. Do you want to hear what – do you want to hear it with Foles? Do you want to hear yeah, it with Foles? I do. I definitely do, and I know it's going to be bad. Give it to me. With Nick Foles at quarterback, 94 carries, 318 yards total, 3.4 yards per carry, zero touchdowns. Zero touchdowns. Great stat. Tail of the I, tape. Tail of the tape right there, right? Yeah. I, ha- I hate to be like this guy. I'm not trying this – this should be fun, but, like, this is an indictment on what this team tried to do schematically, man. You had a formula. It was there. Was it perfect? No, not by any means. Are you going to be the league leader in, in offense? No, n- not going to happen. But you have a formula that works. They can run the ball. They can get creative. They can be successful. But you wanted to do something different. So I'm not going to harp too much on what could have been – I'm just going to celebrate today and be happy for what was. But, yeah, today was awesome. It was exciting. DeMont got out. He probably could have had more carries. Cordero looked good on his runs. Mitch did exactly what we asked him to do. He had one or two, um, you know, designed runs and a couple times got out of the pocket and made things happen and didn't take big, hurtful sacks like that. I, today was awesome. It was fun. And this is what I thought and hoped that this Bears could be offensively all year. Those are great stats, great points. And, look I- – and I'm not intimating just because he saved his job this week and perhaps the rest of the season. I'm not talking about 2021. I'm just talking about the here and now and the reality of probably what Bears fans should be looking at, at least moving forward. They're not going to make a change. It's going to be him for the rest of the year after today's performance. But you're hitting it right in the head, and I've been talking about it for a long time. And I want to bring it up to you where I'll never forget, after 2018, they went to training camp in 2019, and all Matt Nagy talked about was having Mitch move up to level 2.0 of his offense. That's all he talked about, was making this ascension. And my contention at the time, and it bared itself out throughout 2019, was if Mitch just got like, let's just say, let's give him a B for 2018, under 1.0. You're telling me a B is good enough to automatically move up to 2.0? I thought at the time they should have made him work to the point where he got an A, where he aced the course. Aced 1.0, and then we can talk about 2.0. 
And that gap right there, I felt really hurt his development. Obviously, Mitch did not succeed in 2019, and it created this situation where they couldn't trust him, especially his head coach, to the point where he removed him for Nick Foles for seven games. And now that he's back, we are looking at basically 1.0. We're looking at the 2018 offense all over again, and guess what? When it works, Mitch Trubisky can put up 30 points and a half. And in other times, maybe it might not look so great, but that is kind of the constraints of what you're working with. And that seems to be where we are. And, and I agree with you. That's where the indictment is. And he knew bringing in Nick Foles, he was just waiting for the moment to do it his way, to do 2.0, whatever it is in his mind. And really, honestly, they just needed to get that A with that first level. And you can't skip steps. And unfortunately, that's why we've gone back and forth. And that's why you said, I don't understand why we're switching gears. And that's why now when he's back, we're like, the personnel is better fit with Mitch Trubisky. You know, even if he isn't the quarterback of the future and not which we don't probably know or think that he is, this is where we're at. And unfortunately, the coach has a huge amount of blame to take for that. I think it's all the blame, you know? It's, he, his job is to go out there and make do with what he's got. You know, if it's a matter of personnel, that's not on him. If it's a matter of, you know, are we looking, you know, I guess in the future, are we concerned about this quarterback or that quarterback? Like ultimately his job is to take the pieces that he's been provided and put out a product that works. And you were two and oh, your team was running the ball somewhat effectively. Was it going to like, I, I feel like we just keep talking into this. It wasn't going to be amazing. And you may have lost the Falcons game. You said yourself was- on that pot, I would have rather lost that game and stuck with Mitch and figured it out. And which is why, honestly, dude, why I've been so thankful doing these pods with you this year. Man, you've just been dead on. Like, you just don't pull the rug on, out from under that. That quarterback is the guy who's supposed to lead you through, you know, whether it's sunshine or whether it's, you know, a, a torrential thunderstorm. You know what I mean? And that was – Switching gears like that, obviously the team didn't respond well. You know, they were able to beat the Buccaneers 20 to 19. Okay. They beat Carolina 23 to 16, thanks to, you know, a great play, you know, for a quick score on the defensive side of the ball. The defense, the defense exactly. won those games. And that literally, submarined might not be too strong of a word for what could have been a competitive fringe playoff team of a season. And you don't just pick a destination and then change the moment it gets choppy. The waters get choppy. Like, that's exactly what this team did. They were like, okay, here's where we're going offensively. Mitch Trubisky, here's the group. Here's the personnel. This is our timeline. And then it was, oh, this is ugly. We're going to pivot, and we're going to pivot in the complete opposite direction. And they were – like, that didn't work either. So now, like, you – we never set our direction. We never decided this is where we're going. We're going to – Except the fact that there's going to be some ups and some downs, and it might be hard, and it might get rocky, and it might be, get ugly, but this is who we are, and this is where we're trying to get. Like, I, I wholeheartedly believe that they would have been better off losing week three, but not losing the confidence of their quarterback. Just saying, hey, that wasn't a good enough performance, and these are the things we need to work on. But we decided that, hey, we would rather bring in this guy, change our direction, beat the crap out of a bad team, and have this amazing comeback, win a couple of games that ultimately in the grand scheme of things aren't going to mean a whole lot, but flip flop our direction, lose the, the integrity of our, of our, our group because we don't have an identity any longer. This is not worth it to me. Like that is not what should have been done. And it is an indictment on Matt Nagy. And I've never been the type of guy that does this, but the, we, you need to set your feet, set your feet in the direction you want to go and ride it out good or bad. And I just don't think they did that. And I think that's, 
you know, there's, you're not going to be able to overcome that, at least in my opinion. Yeah, and he didn't even have that bad of a half against the Falcons. It was just a really bad interception. I mean, a really, truly terrible decision, bad interception, and then he got the yank. But that's but, – but we know that. I mean, like, that's – you know that's what you get from Mitch. And I'm not saying that's okay. I'm not saying, like, we need to baby him forever, but just, like – Well, and they all throw me- a bad pick sooner or later. Uh-huh. Right? Everyone makes a terrible mistake. Even the best of them. Aaron Rodgers throws a pick six. Tom Brady throws a pick six. Stuff happens. And look, you know, I'm, I'm complicit in it, too, because – and, and here's the thing, and you're, you're my balancing marker because I, I told you before the pod, you know, as a Bears fan, you know, and as a Chicago sports fan, I'm basically George Clooney in like a perfect storm. I will literally drive the boat up the wave thinking that I will survive with the cargo. And then, you know what I mean? I still wrap my head around the Bears are going to make the playoffs, you know. But even I was complicit. In August, I looked at this game against the Texans and I was like, Houston in Chicago in December, W, easy. All season long, W, W, W. Last week, I picked them to lose. I picked the Bears to lose. Because how could I not? I mean, we're talking about identity. We're talking about continuity. We're talking about confidence. We're talking about conviction. We're talking about all these things right now that honestly have been dysfunctional on this team all season long. And unfortunately, they are a talented group, but the margin for error when you don't have those little elements, great. It's a cool locker room, but those seem to be bigger things that play out on the football field, and they just really haven't had it this year. And we're talking about continuity and identity and integrity and all these things. And it's, uh, you know, it's December 13th. Those are things that you might be talking about like late August, early September, like finding it as an offense or as a team or whatever. But this is not that point in the season. This is not the time where you should be working out the kinks or talking about chemistry. They may have had to iron some of that stuff out, but that's what happens when you make changes mid season, when you change your footing and your direction and your plan and identity. So I get that. And that's why we picked, you know, I, no one foresaw this blowout victory because what we've seen the last few weeks has not only been bad football, it's been dysfunction. Cameron, I'd love to ask you this question. You've played on a ton of football teams. You've been through NFL seasons. You know, a team starts out week one, they are a certain thing. And then at some point, they, what we would consider, find that identity, find what clicks, find the bread and butter plays, figure out who they are and move forward. Some people say that happens in the first or second week of October, week four, week five. Other people maybe say you don't find it till week seven or week eight. For you personally, in your experience, when have you noticed when a team clicks and really gets that cohesiveness of, hey, this is what we do, this is what we're good at, and you start to get a feel of what your team really is that season? Yeah, I think that that's sometimes – I think that that exact point can be different for different teams. Week 14? But... <clears throat> Week 14 is, is a little late, a, <laughs> a, little little, late. Say, a little late, but you know, better late than never. But I think in all seriousness, probably a minimum of a month, you know, at least three or four games underneath your belt. And you're like, okay, we kind of get a feel for it because anything can happen in a football game. You see good teams, you know, have blowout wins and blowout losses. It just happens. It's weird. There's just so much chaos that can go on in a football game so there's kind of flukes and there's things like oh I don't, I don't know if that's for real like, kind of like the Bears coming out five and one to start the season is that for real is that the team that this is so I think that you got to play at least a month of the season but for a lot of teams you know like maybe by the midway point if you're if it's happening after the midway point like I think that's you know like okay we know that, the, that this is for real and this is kind of the um what we should start to expect from the team, but it, it takes a while, you know, it really does just because there's so many moving pieces and there's injuries and there's, you know, just guys step up, guys get traded, guys get hurt. Like there's just a lot of moving parts and moving pieces. And every coach goes out there and is like, Hey, we're going to execute this plan. 
uh, and, and we're going to do all that we can to make it work. But knowing if you can actually do it and pulling it off, like that's a whole different thing. It takes a little bit of time uh, to actually see it into fruition. And I'm just thinking about NFL seasons over the last 10 years and teams that, like, as you're talking about, in the second half seem to click or find something and then go on a run. Next thing you know, they're in the AFC-NFC championship game. I'm thinking of Titans. Titans. Uh, more recently, Jaguars four or five years ago. The Jets have done something like that before. The Eagles going off and winning a Super Bowl, you know, catching lightning in a bottle with Nick Foles at that particular time. I'm with you. Week 14, probably too little too late because – you're really just kind of looking now at the standings and you're looking now at the schedule. They're only a game back. The Cardinals did win today. So they're seven and six Vikings lost, you know, we're playing for something next week, six and seven against the Vikings. We truly are. I mean, if we want to hang around and we want to knock the Vikings out in one fell swoop, now's the time to do it. Time stamping this, you know, Lions and Packers are still going on. 49ers haven't played yet. So it could be a bunch at six and seven. And let's be real, the Cardinals don't seem like they're running away with it. I mean, mathematically, it is still there. My point is you're really just kicking yourself right now of all the things of what could have been in a, this roller coaster topsy-turvy of a season. Yeah, that's, yeah it's, been, it's been nuts, and it just sucks because when you talk about what could have been, it just feels like missed opportunities because there's no way that we should be in this position. Six and seven, like, like we said, not, not going to be near at the top, but the bottom of the top tier, the top of the, of the middle tier, but six and seven just doesn't feel right. Switch one game out and we're seven and six and we're still angry as hell, but we're still tied for the last seed in the playoffs. I mean, it's a totally different story. And Cameron, I've been on that roller coaster this whole time and we've screamed and we've cheered and we've had ourselves a really nice time. I want to do right now, I want to toss out some more gold stars for this offense right now. Um, a lot of guys, Allen Robinson went over a thousand yards for the third time in his career today, had a fantastic game. A lot of other guys in the field, but who really shone out on the offensive side of the ball outside of Trubisky? You know, what offensive weapon did you see today? And you were like, oh, man, that looked good. And that's exactly what we should be seeing in this offense moving forward. You know, the one that, I mean, it didn't have huge numbers, but someone that you may not have thought of from this game was Cole Komet. I like the way they started to utilize Cole Komet. I like seeing him uh, on the move, some of these shorter passes. I like the way he's being utilized a little bit more. Uh, I, I just enjoy the way he's starting to be used. Uh, it's just, you know, when you go out there and you get a second round tight end, they're going to be expected to make plays. Rookie tight ends don't just come into the league and, and score tons of points and become like these fantasy monsters. It's been nice to sort of see his slow development over the season. And I like the way that uh, this team started to utilize him. And when we talk more and more about the Mitchell Trubisky iteration of this offense that's a lot more rollouts it's a lot more short throws having a, a, a nice little safety valve like that who can catch the ball and then go and make some make a guy miss or um, you know can move the ball and be pretty quick and and, and strong uh, I think that's a that's a big advantage you know a lot of tight ends can't uh, you probably don't have the burst that he does so I, I enjoyed I'm enjoying seeing his role grow within this offense, and he's someone that I would uh, definitely give my gold star to. Great point. We brought it up in the preseason. You know, there aren't fantasy tight ends out there that are rookies that really make a huge impact. You typically don't see them till week seven, week eight. We've been starting to see Cole Komet now for the last uh, three weeks, maybe a month or so. Four catches, only 41 yards. But, man, some big plays. I'm right there with you, too, where I'm, I'm really loving that rollout, where instead in the past I feel like that would be Dave Montgomery. And typically, I would like to think that a linebacker would already have a hat on Montgomery pre-snap, and they can kind of track that action. Instead, you have someone 
forcing them to like keep an eye on Montgomery. And then you're sort of slipping Cole Komet in who's fast, who's maybe a little bit more powerful and can roll with Mitch Trubisky and hell, maybe even throw a block too. If Mitch Trubisky decides to run the ball and it just seems to be a better mix. We talk all the time about how important the tight end is to this offense. Jimmy Graham, you've caught some touchdowns this year, but doesn't really give us that separation in between, in between the numbers there. And it looks like they could be onto something with Cole Komet. I love to see it. I want to see more of it. Yeah, they play different roles, he and Graham. I like, you know, when you see that rollout and you talk about having the option of, um, of Komet lead, throwing some lead blocks and letting Mitch run. See, these are the things that you can do when you get them escape in the pocket and when you have that, that, that rollout action, which I think they are at one point ran on like four or five plays. That's what they do, and they know that they're good at it. And if, you know, they're going to hand the ball off and then they're going to roll out and they're going to make things happen, you have, that gives Mitch the ability to make things happen with his legs. You can trust his arm in the, sh- in the intermediate range. You know, it's, it's just better. It's just so much better. So. And they've hit on a bread and butter play. I think they, pl- they called it two times, and one of it was on a third and short, that quick little rollout, the two-step out to Allen Robinson. They were even running that with Nick Foles, and that was still working. And now they got Mitch Trubisky. That seems to be a call that they can hit whenever they want on a third and short. And guess what? The running game also opened up, oh, dare I say, a third and one run play to Dave Montgomery, pick up six yards. A third and 20 slip screen, didn't pick up the first down, but were able to execute it. Alex Bars was able to get out there and at least be a body to give him a little bit of a lane. He looked good. He looked looked good. good Cameron, it's time, man. I'm ready. Give me your grade for the offensive line. I'm going A minus. Dude, this this unit right here. And I want to ask you before you get into the rest of the group, but Jermaine Fetty is I'm not saying he's a pro bowler, not an all pro, but he seems to have improved his play from the right tackle position. What can you make out of that, maybe based on what his skill set is, or when you kick out from right guard to right tackle, I know you have more responsibility, right, as a right tackle. What is it that him moving out there has helped, or has it been Alex Bars and the whole unit, a little bit of everything? Well, for starters, Jermaine Effetti has been a tackle his entire career. He converted to play guard when he came here to fill into that spot. He looks more natural out there. He looks comfortable. He's a big, strong, aggressive guy, and he just seems to be – You mean we converted offensive linemen uh, against their natural position? We've never done that before. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's all we do. I know, right? And and it always works out, right? No, but Jermaine Jermaine looks great. He just seems natural out there, just seems to be more comfortable – you know, like we've talked about it, sometimes it's just about getting the right group of guys, you know, and just finding the, the right combination. And for whatever reason, I don't know if it just unlocks everybody, but Jermaine looks natural out there. Alex Bars has looked much improved. And I don't know if it's playing next to playing Heaven Whitehair out there or Sam Mustafer, who seems to be doing quite all right at the center position. Like this group just kind of clicks. I mean, three sacks today, but there's going to be some that's that's obviously that's just part of the position part of the game especially uh, if you're going to be throwing the ball a lot and I mean when you come out and get a hundred and whatever hundred and what was it uh, 180 or 170 yards on the ground I mean you, you we're not going to complain about that I thought this group group looked really good and I do think a lot of that does stem from the jump for a, a Fetty X of the tackle position just because he just seems solid he just seems more comfortable there it's been really impressive I mean we've gone from We've gone from the doghouse to the penthouse. It's seemingly, you know what I mean? Because it was so bad at moments with Nick Foles back there. And credit where credit's due, you know, Dave Montgomery making people miss. You know, they, once he broke through that seam, that 80-yarders on Dave Montgomery, Mitch Trubisky, I felt like, you know, on some deeper drops, yeah, picked up a couple of sacks, maybe took maybe a couple yards off the board, especially when they were getting close to field goal range. You can kind of knock him on that. But also was able to evade 
roll out. They weren't taxed over and over and over again with, you know, holding down the fort. When you do roll the guy out a little bit, you can kind of maybe not have to bang heads as much. You can kind of maybe just get out and run and just try and hit guys once. So credit where credit's due, but man, it's just, it's working right now. It's a great combination and it's something that truly we can actually build on and feel confident about. I mean, we can talk about Trubisky's consistency if we want to. We can talk about Anthony Miller's consistency. We can talk about, you know, David Montgomery's emergence. Where was he in the beginning of the year? It kind of seems like it's starting right in your wheelhouse, my friend. This offensive line has turned it around and is at least giving this team a chance, and we are succeeding. Who knew? But here's the biggest thing, and I, I, I say this wholeheartedly in this. I mean, obviously, credit to Effetti, credit to Bars, credit to Mustafa, all these guys stepping up and playing their role. Credit to Mitch being better uh, at escaping pressure. But really, I mean, like, if you're seeing, you're like, where is this improved offensive line play coming from? What's, what's the, the key factor here? It's the fact that Mitch is a quarterback. They're under center. They're rolling out. They're taking pressure off of guys. Are these, is this a group, is this group better than who they had in there before? I don't know. I mean, there must've been some reason they thought that Coward was playing, would have been a better fit or whatever combination of guys. Because he stepped in last year and did okay at right guard, I feel like. So they were like, well, look, he's done it before. Let's just plug and play. And it took him several weeks to figure out. It took him in game at one point. Remember we were talking about, they literally stopped running behind him because they knew they couldn't do it. It was like, a blind spot like right in the middle you know and they had to move on and so i'm not again i'm not saying that like this is all can be chalked up to one thing or another i'm just telling you all of these things coming together and working at once i accredit a lot of that and all of this stuff working in the offense having improved numbers of the last couple of weeks to the fact that schematically they're running an offense that revolves around mitch trubisky and his ability to use his legs and it takes pressure off the offensive line and now when they drop back or the, when they, you know, from that position, they don't know if they're running the ball or passing the ball. Every time they were in the gun, you know, doing the Nick Foles system, when they were doing the way that Matt Nagy claimed or seemed to want to run this offense, there was really no question about what was happening. And it's a hell of a lot harder to get these blocks when the defense knows exactly what's going to happen. So, Yes, I, I think this group is playing better, and they may be a better better players. But I think a lot of this is just schematic and personnel-wise. Like, this just makes more sense, which is what we've, I've been saying all year. I'm not an expert. I shouldn't be a coach. I'm just saying the right pe- – the pieces matter. And, and the pieces matter in conjunction with one another more than we realize. Well, Cameron, you know the game. And two things that I'm thinking about with this is the first one is there was that one moment where – Mitch Trubisky did the fake handoff keeper. What was it, a four-yard, five-yard gain? But guess what? The defense had to account for that, and it perhaps opened up. You know, Montgomery had a couple more runs, not huge runs, but was able to maybe gain those couple extra yards. You're able to execute that third and one and hand the ball off to David Montgomery because now the element of that is out there. The second one is, and it took us a long time to learn, empty set doesn't work with us. It just doesn't. We're, we're not built for it. I don't think we, you know, we, we are saying that we're talented. We're not talented enough. Empty set, it's too one-dimensional. We ran it a ton with Nick Foles. We ran it a couple times in the red zone in this game too as well. And I think we did get a touchdown off of that, off of Allen Robinson, but it took a couple of tries. And that type of football just doesn't work. We need to have motion. We need to have misdirection. We need to have the play action work to set up all the other bread and butter type stuff. And, and unfortunately, we are getting away from that, but we were stuck in it, I feel like, for multiple weeks at a time. 
Well, the empty set stuff is cool if you have a bunch of wide receivers that are going to run themselves open and can create separation and a quarterback that can throw the ball into the tightest windows. Is that what you would describe the Chicago no. Bears offense as? Like, that's not what they do. Do they have no, guys I'll that keep make... looking at the menu, sir. I need a couple more minutes before I order. Thank you. I mean, like, if you notice it, Allen Robinson, I, I think, is one of the best contested ball receivers in the league. When he makes his mark on a game, he's catching tough balls. He's not necessarily – Doesn't mean he's what? open. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, he is not by any means just, like, flying by guys. Or he runs, He's a good route runner, but he is not – just busting guys open like the way you see sometimes like a, Ty- a Tyreek Hill you know might just be who no one's around you know like that's not what's happening and Darnell Mooney's super fast but again he's not just like we're not connecting on those long throws but that doesn't mean that they can't be utilized getting them the ball in space and giving them the opportunity to make guys miss and do it with their feet you know even if it's run or yards after catch like that's that's great like that's that's where it is but yeah, I mean, like, with the this empty set stuff, it's just really not conducive to the personnel. It's not what they do. Those they, You know, I don't really trust Mitch throwing the ball into tight windows. You know, it doesn't look like you're going to be running the ball, so you've taken that element out of it. Like, that's just really not what this group is, is built to do. Well, yeah, it's, mean, a like, domi- it's a dominant formation, and I don't think we're necessarily in the position to go out there and attempt to dominate and, and impose our will upon defenses quite like that. I think we're sort of working – with the constraints with what we can deal with through creativity and motion and just keep things kind of keep them guessing a little bit and keep moving the chains. Did you like the diamond formation when they threw the the touchdown to Jimmy Graham for weeks? People were like, okay, this is Jimmy Graham's territory. I even myself sort of forgot about Jimmy Graham and that's exactly where you want to have the defense, right? Thinking about it. And then they were able to hit him on a one-on-one. And so you're able to do that when you get the ball into the hands of lots of different people and create, you know, like you want them forgetting about, about your talented players. You want them to forgetting about playmakers all over the field. That's, that's the idea. And you can lull them to sleep. And like we said, Jimmy Graham, Cole Komet, those guys didn't have huge days, you know, four catches for each uh, Graham with 23 yards and Komet with 40, but it's about the way you utilize it. And if they've got all these guys making two, three, four or five catches and the right type of catches in the right type of situation, like that's enough, you know, Darnell Mooney only had the two catches, but one of them was a touchdown. And you want to know why? Because they got the ball to him in a space where he can make things happen. It was a short throw. It was a very short throw. I think, was it a screen even? It was very, whatever it was. And he speeds down the sideline and gets into the end zone. Like that's what he can do. We're not asking guys to do stuff that's not natural to them. And don't ask Mitch Trubisky to be, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball 45 yards downfield on a dime, like into coverage. Like that's not what these guys do. They utilize the, they utilize them properly and it's, it's easy. Yeah. No hyperbole, but even quarter Patterson's 26 yards were 26 productive yards, you know, especially when you have a day when David Montgomery gets 113 on the ground. I mean, those 26, he picked up a couple of first downs. I mean, it all, it all was working today. No joke. I mean, every single thing that we talked about, everything like, where they're like, hey, they did this well this week. If we incorporate this other aspect next week, it's something else. Hey, let's get the running game going. This week, every single piece, every single Ryan Pace draft pick and signing on offense contributed today. All the guys out there were making plays. I saw Javon Wims get a false start. But, hey, I just got to throw that out there. But, I mean, it, it's, it's to that point where, you know, it all clicked today. It was the Avengers out there. It was good. It was good to see, man. We needed this. We needed this just for the morale. Yeah, just for the – just get some smiles on our faces. I want to go to the other side of the ball real quick. One of my keys heading into the game two weeks ago was defense put some respect back on your name. Last week was GPS. 
We need a GPS to go out and find the defense. Well, have you ever been on a road, a GPS road where it's all green and it's got the green number of time to get to where the defense is? It was all green today, baby, because the defense, look, Houston Texans, no David Johnson, you know, no receivers, Deshaun Watson running for his life. But look, at the same time, guess how many points they give up? Seven. That's exactly what you do to an undermanned offense. They went out there, they made plays. Khalil Mack had some huge impact moments. I liked the tackling. I liked even when they tried to run the ball in the third quarter. After a couple first downs, the Bears said, no more, no thank you. I really liked this effort. What did you see out there today? I saw a group that had energy. I saw a group that saw blood in the water and they attacked. You know, they, they just brought a level of energy and intensity that I don't think we've seen in a while. It was nice seeing, you know, Khalil Mack just come out and make impact plays. I saw Akeem making big plays, it just being a uh, just being a bear, a literal bear in the in the middle of this defense. Well, Nichols with big plays. I mean, Kyle Fuller does what he does every single week. Like they were, just, this game was fun, and I don't know what it is, I don't know why it is, but they just seem to have that swagger back this week, kind of like a nothing to lose mentality. Although there probably is a little bit on the line, they just, I don't know, they just seem to be playing on a, on a whole different level, and it was fun, and it was nice, and it was refreshing, and really. You know, I, I think a lot of that probably stems from, you know, when if the offense is going to come out and do their part, it probably takes a little bit of load and pressure and, and gives the defense, you know, more to play for. I mean, when was the last time the defense, the Bears get the ball back after they finally, they stop them on the first drive and they score on the first play? You know, how many times has this defense been given seven points right off the bat how many times you know we talk about not just playing with leads but so early in that game where you can just get jacked up really really quickly and then they got their 14 to nothing fairly early early on in this game too as well absolutely no they went out there and made sure that they were the better team and that there was not going to be any question about it you know from from the jump and they came out they came out hitting they were aggressive I like you know, the six sacks, they did exactly what we talked about, how they needed to dial up pressure and make Deshaun Watson uncomfortable. And their star players made star plays. You know, like they like Khalil Mack comes out and does exactly what Khalil Mack is supposed to do. Robert and Quinn almost got a sack, but he did. Deshaun he Watson there. wiggled away. Ah, oh, yeah. God. I literally saw that, and I was like, oh, look at this nice, uh, this nice stunt. And oh, can't, can't buy a bucket. Chucking <laughs> the really rock, can't. Quinn. Come on, man. I know everyone's down on you in Chicago. Keep chucking the rock. They're going to go in, I swear. <laughs> but that, even when that happened, I was like, oh, no, this is why you get Deshaun Watson <laughs> because he can make that play. But, no, it, the defense was just – they were fun. They were fun across the board. They just had an energy that we haven't seen in a long time, and guys were flying around making big plays. And I just feel like a tone was set very early on, and it just felt right. It just felt right by this Bears defense. They were going to not only win this game, but win this game decisively. Cameron, it's time. It's time to walk into the noise, and this is what we're going to be walking into in the next coming days from Bears fans, talk radio, national radio reports, articles. So I'm going to present you this one notion, which is probably going to be the overriding notion. Cameron, it's only one game. The Bears still stink. There's no way. They're not beating the Packers. They're going to lose the rest of their games. You know, it's just one It's just one time. Oh, great. Now they decide to show up. It's never going to happen. While at the same time, and this is irrefutable fact, this week we saw an offense that was efficient, that came alive for the second week in a row, put up, I believe, over 130 rushing yards, an offensive line trending in the right direction, 
a quarterback with Darius State gaining a little confidence, and also a defense that sort of restored the dignity. You know, I don't want to say the respect because they're not an elite defense, but they got a little bit closer back to good this week. We saw both things on the field. Is it too little too late? Well, it depends on what the goal is. The goal is to get to nine and seven and make the playoffs. Mm, too little tough. too late. No, tough, tough. You know, I mean, and, and I, I can wrap my head around it because you play Minnesota next week and you play Jacksonville. I can see an eight and seven scenario walking into Green Bay and we're super jacked up for it. And look, that is just prime. That is a bear trap is what we call that right there. Ooh, that looks like delicious honey. And then it snaps on our arm. And uh, our playoff hopes and our season get dashed and we wake up from what we could have been a possible playoff dream. And look, this sounds pie in the sky because now all, all the Bears fans in the world think this is impossible. But at the same time, it's a reality worth talking about. There's only so many games left. You got to win them all. If you were going to walk into this next three games, the Bears are in probably the best shape to be walking into must-win situations than they've been in at any point this season. Is that incorrect? No, I think that's fair to say. You know, I, they've got three games left. Gonna gonna have to win them all. I like their chances clearly in two of them. And when you play the Packers in a must in a must win game, you know anything can happen. So, is it too little, too late? I'm gonna say no. It's not too little. It's not too late. But it's uh, it's very late though. We can both it's, agree it's very very late. It's as late as it could possibly be. Like you, you, they, couldn't have, you, you couldn't have waited any longer. They called last call about two weeks ago. And we're still there, and the night's still going. But it's, it's very, very late. But yet, Bears fans do need to realize, and there's a reason why we watch these games and we root for this team. As of right now, heading into next week, week 15, against the Minnesota Vikings with the exact same record as us, it is still on the table to perhaps – finish up this season either on a high note or perhaps maybe even go into the playoffs it's possible and if they continue to play this way if this is the version of the offense and the defense that we see they will have a shot i I get my i can wrap my head around the possibility of that if we see if we see even something like last week where the offense shows up and the defense lays an egg then no but we have to see exactly what we saw today where both in all phases of the game they come out and ready to play if we see any lapse at all i don't like their chances at all And we're not saying that it's going to happen, but what I'm bringing to the table is what we just saw today actually puts it into the, like, you're like, well, how would they do that? Well, they play similar to how they play today. That is the answer to that question of how are they going to pull this off and make the playoffs and and make it through? Well, at least you have something. You have tangible tape now of a defense and offense playing well at the exact same time, granted against probably an inferior opponent, an undermanned opponent, as you mentioned. But you know what? They got the job done. We're not going to win every game 36 to 7. But if you play a Minnesota Vikings team, which is a little bit better than the Houston Texans the way you did this week, you got a great chance to win. And at least now that they can go into that room, you know, what does it say to being in those rooms? You just played a game like that out there today. You guys know now that if you do these certain things, you can execute a certain way. You can definitely make this happen. I don't think the Bears could have said that three weeks ago. They at least today can say moving forward into these games that they can. They have evidence. They have evidence of the team they could be. Cameron, Bears win. 36-7. 36-7. Can't believe I'm saying it. It's been a long time. Week 14. It's almost Christmas. The Bears moved to 6-7 and seven on the season. I moved to 6-7 and seven happily on my picks for the year. Cameron moves to 8-5. and five. But we're going to get right back after it this week coming up. Huge game against the Minnesota Vikings. Lots to get ready for. Thank you so much for listening, you guys. Cameron, take us home on a victorious, victorious pod. 
You've been listening to the Believe in Bears podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Make sure to tune in to this week's pre-game show as we dole out all the information you're going to need for a very important matchup with the Minnesota Vikings. Like us, subscribe to us, follow us, do all of that. And most importantly, remember to bear down. This is the Believe in Bears podcast on the Believe Podcast Network Victory Sunday. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.